I want to bring a message to you this morning called Remember or Forget. I have two verses of scripture I want to read to you. One is in the Old Testament, the other one's in the New Testament. This first one's written, uh, found in the book of Psalms. And he writes this, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Then in the New Testament, in the epistle to the Philippians, the apostle Paul writes this. Uh, He says, not that I've already obtained all this. He's talking about perfection in your life. He says, I haven't gotten there or been made perfect. But I do press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He doesn't think he's perfect. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. All right, so we have two verses here. One says, Remember. The other one says, Forget about it. Is this one of those contradictions in the Bible? No, they're both right. It's just a matter of what we should remember and what we should forget. There are things that we should remember as people of faith, and there are some things we absolutely should forget. Now, one thing is clear about the mind of fallen mankind and that is this we tend to forget the things we should remember and we're very good at remembering the things that we should forget because of the poison of sin in our life it seems like we're constantly pulled and drawn to the negative side of life like a moth to the candle flame it will kill us but it's so pretty What do you remember? What is it in your life that you tend to forget? It's an important question because what you remember and what you forget will say an awful lot about what you truly believe about in life. Now I have a very short list this morning of the kinds of things that we should remember and forget. Okay, number one. We should forget our failures and remember our successes you've heard me speak of this in the past don't let your past dictate your future a lot of people let the failures in their life imprint on them and it sets the standard for what they can experience down the road in life if they fail they don't think they can succeed in the future why because i failed once i tried that once I went there, I couldn't do it, so therefore I can't do it. Instead of the bar being here, the bar constantly keeps getting lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered in life. And then people live down here. It's, it's safe now. It's, it's where it's all I, the further I can go. It's, it's like a dog who's you know, gotten so used to the chain, he can only go so far and that chain holds them back. You can remove the chain after a while and he doesn't realize at first that hey, he can take off like crazy. Because we've been chained by our failures. Don't let your failures dictate your future. And don't let others remind you of your failures. And prophesy a negative future to you. And sometimes the people who are supposed to be the closest protectors in our lives of speaking into us a positive future become the ones who start telling us of our limitations Sadly, a lot of you, I know, talking with you, you've had parents who were very quick to tell you you were a failure. 
to point out your mistakes, to let you know you're a loser, you're stupid, what's the matter with you, some kind of an idiot, you'll never be anything, you'll never accomplish anything. And while they think they're helping, and they really did, parents who do this, and if you do this, you need to stop it. But oftentimes parents think, well, I'll help him. I'll yell at him. That'll help. You know, I just, oh, you're an idiot. Don't be that way. You'll never be out of nothing. They think it's just a way of spurring you on. Instead, what they're unaware of is they're sticking a voice in your head that some of you have carried all of your life. A voice that constantly tells you, you can't do it. You cannot do it. And we encourage you and we speak the Bible into you and we pray with you and we celebrate with you trying to get you to step out in faith but you have this voice in your head planted by your parents that you can't. You can only go so far in life. You can only expect so much. If you're depressed, you'll always be depressed. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. If you're dumb, you'll always be dumb. You had a failed marriage, all your marriages will fail. Everything will fail. Everything in life will just be awful. And we become trapped. I can say this, certainly in my life, it's, you know, I didn't have the most perfect childhood by any stretch of the imagination. And, and uh, my parents were a little, they're not here, so I can say, no, I better not say this. You can watch me on TV now. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Uh, uh, you're wonderful. You know, but I mean, Jesus, nobody was perfect. My parents weren't perfect. But the one thing that they were great at, my mother was always telling us that we could do anything. Even in the midst of our failures, my mom would tell us, you're better than that. You can be better than that. You can accomplish anything. You can do anything. You can go anywhere. Even when we were failing. Even when we made mistakes. She'd get in our face about it come home with bad report cards, even then she'd get in our face, but she'd say, you're better than that. You can do anything because you're a gunger. Took me years to figure out that meant nothing. <laughs> but I've got to tell you something. It's the oddest thing. As I have struggled in my life, and we all struggle in life, I have had this one voice stuck in my head, the voice of my mother saying, you can do anything. You can be anything. You can accomplish anything. And I never let my fail. Even when I wanted to, I couldn't shut up mom. A positive. See, that, that's the power that you have as parents. Make sure you speak that kind of voice into your children's heads. And not the one that some of others have to struggle with. This picture of failure and disappointment. My teachers would try and prophesy negativity to me. Ah, you're never going to be anything. Your grades aren't good enough. In my own personal life, I even had pastors who would speak into my life. Real gift of encouragement, some of these guys, you know. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't act like that. You can't preach like that. You can't sing like that. You can't dress like that. You with my fancy shoes. I said, what's the matter with these guys? You hear those voices all the time. But let me encourage you this morning. You need to start letting God's word be stronger to you than the word of the negative words of your past, even if they came from your parents. You need to so get God's perspective in your life to realize that with all things, anything is possible. God can do all things. With God, anything is possible. That's what I'm trying to say. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. 
Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter your limitations. God is for you. As we read that scripture to the young people. God says, I have a future for you. A wonderful future. Don't let your failures dictate your future. Forget those failures. Remember your successes. And let God's word ring loud in your head. To bring healing and encouragement and strength into your life. That's why you need to read the Bible. The Bible doesn't do any good just sitting there. It's not like a magic omen thing, you know. Keep away evil spirits because you have a Bible in the house. It doesn't work that way. It only works if you read it. You got to actually read it. And when you start reading it, it starts getting into your head. And then God's voice can start being bigger to you than the voices of failure in your past. And I always encourage this. You need to believe your dreams and doubt your failures. A lot of us have dreams and stuff, but then we fail. And then the failure becomes more real to us than the dream. And then when we're faced with the dream and the reality, so many of us say, this is real, this is not real. And you get limited in life. One of the things I love about uh, listening to, uh, to stories about successful men and women is when you listen to their biographies, like on the Biography Channel or something like that, I love to hear about their failures. It's truly amazing how often they fail. Some of them in just spectacular ways. Some of these guys fail in ways that you, it would just freak the willies out of you and me. But they never stop. Why? Because their failures faced to their dreams, they would look and say, I don't believe this. This is real. This is an aberration. The failure is an aberration. The reality is an aberration. That's not really real. What's real is the dream that I have on the inside. Some years ago, we had this guy from Australia come to our church here. Uh, Peter Daniels, I guess was his name. And it's one of the richest men in the world today. I believe he's the richest man in Australia. Uh, man of faith. And uh, he was sharing his testimony. And I love his story. He says, I got into business and then I failed. And I lost millions of dollars. And then I got into business again. And I failed and lost millions of dollars. And then I got into business again. I'm thinking, who's investing with you? <laughs> she was. I would say... You've lost a little money in the past. I think I'll pass on that one. But his dream was so real, others would still invest with him. And it was either the third or the fourth time. I don't remember the story. It was amazing. I think it was the fourth time. After losing millions of dollars, huge, colossal failures. Affecting the lives of who knows how many people. And in public ways where everybody would have clearly pointed at this guy and said, This guy is an idiot. He's a phony. He's an imposter. He's a loser. The third or fourth time, boy, he hit it. Boom. And I was one of the most successful men in the world. How do you get there? Because in the midst of colossal failures that you would think would so crush you, he didn't believe that. He believed his dream. His dream was more real. This is real. I don't know what this is, but it's not this. And I believe this and I'll push past that. And accomplished great things in his life. Wow. Most people. The failures. Boy you know. There are some people. I'd 
You know, I invested $100 once. I'll never do that again. I lost $100. That was $100. I'll never trust anybody again. That's all it takes to knock you out of the water. Stinks to be you. Another thing, we should forget our pains and remember our joys. Now, it's not that you can't learn from your pains. Remember how you first learned the meaning of the word hot? (laughs) One lesson that you learn one time. (laughs) Ah! It's one of the first words little kids learn. Hot, 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 hot. And it's okay to learn hot. You can learn from the pains how to stay away from the wrong things, but don't let pain keep you from the right things. There are so many people in life, they've been hurt and they have pain and they refuse to go there again. There are people, there's people watching me, I'm sure right now on on television, all around Wisconsin. You're not involved in church anywhere. Why? Because you were part of a church once and they really hurt you. And they really hurt you and now you just live in TV church. And as wonderful as watching on TV is, and we appreciate you watching, it can never take the place of the actual experience with people worshiping God and being part of a family of faith. I know a lot of you sitting here this morning, you know, you've told me as you've come to our church, you know, this is hard for me. We've really been hurt in the past, and, it, and we're cool with that. I said, well, we'll try and love you and try not to offend you. And <laughs> Probably the wrong church for you. <laughs> if you're really sensitive, you might want to go to the church down the street. But you're here. And, uh, you know, but at least you're, you're stepping out and you're pushing past it. But man, don't let your fear, your, your, your memory of pain keep you from connecting with other people. Those people, you know, they, they get their hearts broken. I'll never fall in love again. <laughs> I was 16 years old. And that boy didn't ask me to the prom. I'll never fall in love again. Don't be like that. Well, Pastor, I got all kinds of really deep pain in my life. I understand that. But you need to start erasing those pains. You need to start forgetting them. So how do you do that? You do it with joy. You do it with joy. Jesus taught us this when he told us that a woman who gives birth experiences all kinds of incredible pain. I got to tell you, if it were up to men, there wouldn't be many of you sitting here this morning. We're not big fans of pain. But women tolerate this incredible pain. But Jesus said, but as soon as they hold that baby, the joy of that child is so strong in her arms, it erases the pain that she just had. What an incredible thing that is. Joy erases pain. Some of you need to get some joy in your life. Start letting go of some of the pain and start experiencing some joy and satisfaction in your life. The joy that God has for you. Start enjoying life, even separate for your circumstances. Don't wait for your circumstances to change before you're happy. If you do, you'll be doomed because circumstances stink. Circumstances come and go and up and down. Sometimes they're more down than they're up. Man, my joy is not tied to what happens in my life. My joy is tied to my relationship with Christ. And it's the big eraser. Joy is the eraser that gets rid of the big ink blots out of your life. 
all the scribbles, all the mistakes, you just get the joy out. Get rid of them. The joy that passes all understanding. The world doesn't understand it. And I love walking in the joy of God. When I got, became a Christian, I was 16 years of age, man. I got this dumb grin slapped on my face. And uh, I've had it ever since. And I just, I love what's in here. It's the love of God in my life. It's not based on my circumstances. Honestly, sometimes my circumstances are horrendous and awful. But my joy comes from Jesus. And you walk in joy, people don't understand it. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a place like a 7-Eleven or something, smiling, just me and me. And the person behind the counter says, Hey, what you been smoking? <laughs> we should be people of joy. Joy erases the pain. And my wife and I have had some very painful experiences in our life. But you know, we hardly remember them. You hardly remember. Actually, you got to stop and think and go, Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I guess that was kind of icky, you know. How do you get there? With a big eraser. It's called joy. (laughs) Then finally, we should forget when people hurt us and remember when they bless us. We prayed just a little while ago. The Lord's Prayer. We prayed every Sunday. Our Father who art in heaven, forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. In other words, we let it go. We let it go. We forget. We forget. We forget. But so many people do not forget. So, Pastor, I've tried to forgive. I just can't do it. It's because you don't understand what forgiveness is. A lot of people think forgiveness has to do with your head. I can't forget it, Pastor. I can't. It doesn't matter. You might remember what that person did to you to the day you die. It has absolutely nothing to do with forgiveness. Well, Pastor, I still feel the pain. It still hurts inside. It doesn't matter. You might feel the pain of what that person did to you to the day you die. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. You see, forgiveness has more to do with your tongue than your head or your heart. If you're still talking about it, you haven't forgiven. It starts right here. In fact, one of the telltale signs of someone who hasn't forgiven is they don't quit talking about it. They're always talking about it. You know what that guy did to me. You know what she did to me. They just vomit over everybody. Just the hurlmeisters, man. Hi, how you doing? Man, it's amazing. I, I met this one lady in the foyer. Not today. <laughs> She's not here, don't worry. Uh, uh, some years ago, and uh, I just met her for the very first time, and, I, and I, I was new to the church here. I didn't know who she was, and she starts, I said, how you doing? She said, oh, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Really, what happened? And she starts telling me of the horrible transgressions of her husband, who was there with her, and just telling me the horrible, I mean, it was horrible what he did. And I went, oh my gosh, when did this happen? And she said, 20 years ago? Oh my goodness, 20 years ago, and it was like it was yesterday keeping it alive with her tongue you need to hush you need to let it go and I'll tell you who I've really learned this from in my life has been that cute little redhead I married this woman despite the times I have hurt her and I know it's hard to imagine me being a jerk but (laughs) the times I have hurt her and been mean to her and disappointed she has never reminded me of my failures this is a woman who has never said to me you know you remember when you did that 
You remember when you said this to me? You remember that one time you did that? Never has she done that to me. When I'm with her, it's like it never happened. Can she remember it? Probably. Could it still hurt her upon the memory of it? Probably. Has she forgiven me? Yeah. How do you know? She never talks about it. She never says anything. It's as if it didn't happen. That is in fact what Jesus does for you. He loves you. He takes you in. He accepts you. And when he forgives you, you will never hear about it again. You won't hear about your sins on judgment day. So how's the people get into heaven? How's it possible for anybody to get to heaven? Because when you put your trust in Christ and ask him for forgiveness, you get there. There's not a list for you. When they get you before the judgment throne and other people say, well, he did this and he did that and he did this. And then you get up there as a born again believer in Christ and your hope is in Christ. And they pull out the list. They say, okay, Jesus, read his transgressions. He goes, nothing here. Nothing here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Forget when people hurt you. And then finally remember when they bless you. Be people who are grateful. Be people who are grateful. Are you remembering when people are doing nice things? When was the last time you said to your wife, baby, thank you for what you do. Thank you for helping keep the house the way that you do. Thank you for being the encouragement in my life. Thank you for dealing with the kids and all the things that you have to put up with. When was the last time, lady, you said to your husband, who comes home grumpy, all smelly and in a bad mood, you remind him what an evil, wicked man he is? When was the last time you said, you know, honey, thank you for what you do? I know sometimes you have, you work really hard, you have some pretty rough days, and I appreciate what you do. When was the last time you thanked your children? We're grateful. If there's one thing that should mark people of faith, it should be this. We are overwhelmingly grateful. Overwhelmingly grateful. We're the ones who are quick to say thank you. Thanks for doing that. Thank you for this. When the lady at the restaurant brings you your iced tea, just ignore it. You say, hey, thank you. Thanks for doing that. Do you tip? Believers should be the biggest tippers in the world, by the way. When the waitresses see Christians walk into the place, they shall get very happy. The believers are in. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and our musicians get ready to serve communion this morning. You know, the Lord Jesus instituted the communion service for one overwhelming reason. And that reason is this. So we would not forget. He said this, do this in remembrance of me. Why would he have to tell us that? Because he knows us. He knows that we are inclined to forget the things we should remember. And we're inclined to remember the things that we should forget. And he says, you need to do this. You need to do this. And as often as you do this, you remember me. People say, why do you have communion every Sunday? Because ultimately, this is what it's about. We do this so that we will not forget. This is what it's about. At the end of the day, everything we do, everything we're about, boils down to this one centerpiece. That Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, took away our sins. He died on the cross. He took what he did not deserve. So that we could get what we do not deserve. Which is forgiveness of our sins. He washes the slate clean. 
He brings out the eraser and clears the page. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. That is why we celebrate today. And that's why we always close our service. Remembering what this is all about. His sacrifice and his life in us. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer before we take communion this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never really taken that step of faith in asking Christ into your life. Maybe the idea of having your slate wiped clean and the eraser come out and and make it as if you'd never sinned. You go, man, I wish I had that. I wish I could experience that. I wish I could have this kind of joy in my life. Well, the good news today is that you can. If you will put your faith in Jesus this morning, he can forgive you of your sins. If you are willing to turn away from what you know is wrong and put your faith in Jesus this morning, you can begin your life of faith today. We're going to pray this prayer together. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray this. If you'll pray this with us and believe this in the bottom of your heart, you can experience your first steps of faith this morning. Let's get things right with God today. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.